Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we give you thanks this morning that we can hold in our hands your word written down in a language that we can understand. But we confess as well that we are a sinful and fallen people, and so often even when we hear your word, your word read, your word preached, that we do not understand, that we do not desire to obey. And so we pray this morning for the working of your Holy Spirit, that he would come and that he would open our ears, that he might touch our hearts, that he might illumine our minds so that we would understand and that we would have a desire to live according to the precepts of your word, that we would run to our Lord Jesus, our Savior, as the only refuge from your wrath. Oh Lord, we pray this morning that you would feed us by your word so that we might be able to go out of this place full because you have spoken to us through the preaching of your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Let me encourage you to take out your Bibles and turn to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Luke. If you open to the New Testament, you'll find Matthew, Mark, and then the third Gospel, Luke. We're in chapter 2 this morning. In a few moments, I'll be reading verses 25 to Uh, 35. It's wonderful to be with you this morning and let me bring to you greetings from uh, my own family as they're in Florida, our kind of home base while we're back on furlough, but also to bring you greetings from the saints in Haiti, worshiping this morning at this very hour, desiring to give, like you, praise and honor to their Savior. And they know that you too are praying for them. Uh, it's delightful to uh, be here and uh, to have served for 15 years as your missionary uh, in Haiti. And uh, we want to thank you again for your prayers. But let's turn our attention then to the Word of God, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. This is God's Word. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord... Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, And for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Grass withers, the flowers fade, but indeed the word of our God stands forever. 
Do you need consolation? It's not really a word that we use very much, but I think we kind of understand it in difficult circumstances in the midst of sickness. We need someone to come alongside to console us, to comfort us. As I think of that need of consolation, I think of my brother in Haiti, Tave No. He lives on the island of Lagonav in a very, whoops, very rural place. And Tave No is an example of a person who has lived great suffering. I think back to the year 2010, the great earthquake in Haiti, and at the time, his older daughter was at high school in Port-au-Prince. Many of the children from Lagonav and high school had to go to Port-au-Prince because that's where the schools were, and when that earthquake hit the city late in the afternoon, she was at the school, the school collapsed, and she died. They suffered the loss of a child. A few years later, fast forward to just late last year, another one of his daughters who had over many, many years suffered with epilepsy, always needing someone to be with her, to watch over her while she suffered a crisis and she died and grief comes again into their household. They needed consolation. And then on top of that, in the midst of just daily life, going out to serve the Lord, living in the main town, but traveling by motorcycle taxi out to the church one Sunday a month or so ago, he's on his way back, and this young man in the motorcycle taxi who is just beginning, didn't really know how to drive it very well, falls over, and he's injured slightly. Tavno ends up with a broken wrist. And we think... Wow, how much suffering can one person endure? The need for comfort, the need for consolation. And I think we can say that we all suffer because we live in a fallen world. We suffer pain, we suffer loss, we suffer sickness, we suffer death. Sometimes it's failure. And we need someone to come alongside us to bring us consolation. But what I want you to see this morning as we look at this man, Simeon, living at the very crossroads of redemptive history as Jesus comes into the world, is that like Simeon, we need to realize that it's only God, only the Lord that can bring us true consolation. And I'm reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 where he uses this very same word and it's translated in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 as comfort, but it's that same word we find in Luke chapter 2, the consolation of Israel, where Paul proclaims, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You see, Paul is saying that God brings us comfort and consolation. Why does he do that? He does it so that we might bring that same comfort to others, so that we might draw, come alongside men like Tave know in their grief the loss of a child. 
so that we might come alongside those who are sick, maybe confronted with their mortality, their impending death, so that we might come alongside our children when they fail and say, I'm with you, I'm coming to give you comfort. So let's turn back then to Luke chapter 2 and look at the way in which Simeon helps us to understand the consolation that the Lord brings his people. How does God give consolation? Well, through Simeon, he prophesies first concerning the consolation of Israel. Have you ever known somebody who's waited a long time for something? We all have to wait, but probably none of us have waited for a particular promise of God as long as Abraham waited. God came to him when he was 75 years old and said, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a family. You're an old man. Your wife is an old woman. You're beyond the normal years of childbearing, but I am promising to give you a son. I'm making a covenant with you. And Abraham waits. Sometimes he tries to take matters into his own hands, thinking maybe God needs a little help to fulfill that promise. But it's not until he's 99 years old that His story, that particular story of the promise comes true and he holds in his arms his son, Isaac. He receives the promise, but it's nearly at the end of his life. Before it comes true, he is called to wait. Well, Simeon was a man too who needed to wait. He needed to wait to see the fulfillment of the promises of God, the promises that in particular would bring consolation to him and even more to the people of Israel and indeed to the whole world. Who is Simeon? Well, his name means the Lord has heard. Isn't that appropriate that This one who has waited on the Lord, this one who surely prayed that the promises of God revealed in the Old Testament would come true even in his day. His name meant the Lord heard. You might think of the first man named Simeon, a child of Leah. Leah and Rachel, the wives of Jacob. And she names her first child Simeon because the Lord had heard her cry as one who was unloved by her husband, but thinking that in bearing children she would bring a blessing. And as that child comes into the world, she names him Simeon. The Lord has heard my cries. And certainly the parents of Simeon, as they brought him into the world as they named him, would have been crying out for the coming of the Messiah. All of those promises of the Old Testament, O Lord, come quickly, bring your servant. And so he knows that the Lord hears, but the text says that his name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. It's pointing us, Luke is really pointing us back to the Old Testament to say that Simeon is a man in the line of all of those righteous and devout saints in the Old Testament. 
People like Abraham, who is called righteous. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. You think of Job and the way that he is called a righteous and devout man, serving the Lord, believing in the promises, and in particular, of the promise to come. Simeon was devout in the sense that he was a man who followed the law of God. He wanted to please God by following the law. He was in the temple, giving the required sacrifices, praying to the Lord in the place where he had put his name. This was Simeon, the one waiting, the text says, for the consolation of Israel. So this man who was righteous and devout was waiting for something. What was he waiting for? Well, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. It was an Old Testament hope. The people of Israel had been waiting for hundreds of years and for the few hundred years before Simeon, it might have seemed like God was silent. No prophets prophesying, no further word from God. Now under the thumb of the Roman Empire, oppressed externally, limited in terms of their worship, but waiting for the Lord's Christ. And we all have to wait, don't we? It really is one of the main callings of our Christian life. I spend a lot of time in Haiti down at the wharf waiting for the boat to take me to the island of Lagunav. You know, there's no ferry schedules. There's no printed schedule. It doesn't say 1.35 in the afternoon the boat is going to leave. But when I go down there, the first thing I do is to look, okay, is the boat arrived from the island this morning? Because if it's not there, it's not going back. But if it's arrived, I wait knowing that people are going to come. They wait for the buses to bring people, people to get on. They wait for the trucks to come with goods that they're going to transport. And I usually know that once they start the engine of the boat, it's about 30 minutes or so. And so you wait and finally you kind of breathe a sigh of relief. All right, the ropes are being taken back and we're backing away from the dock. We're on our way, no more waiting. But sometimes you get a few minutes out and then all of a sudden the engine lowers in RPM and the boat turns around and you think more waiting. And they're coming back because maybe a friend or a family member of the captain has kind of missed the boat and he's called and so he'll turn the boat around just for one or two people, all of the 100 or 150 or 200 people being inconvenienced for that. But you wait. Simeon was waiting for something so much more important. He was waiting for the Lord's Christ. He was waiting for the Messiah, for the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament promises. You think of Isaiah. After all of the judgments proclaimed in the book of Isaiah against the people of Israel for their sin, we read in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, Comfort, he says, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. There's that word again, comfort. 
a word of comfort that God speaks to his people. And what does that comfort look like? Well, he says the warfare is ended. No more conflict, particularly with me. Why? Because your iniquity is pardoned. Your sin has been dealt with and only the Messiah, the Lord's Christ, could deal with it in giving himself as a sacrifice for sin. That's what Simeon was waiting for. That's what all the faithful Israelites were waiting for. And that's what we wait for as well. Jesus has come once, but isn't it interesting that there's a sense in which we are all now in the same place that Simeon was, waiting for Jesus to come again, just as he promised. Living in a world that doesn't seem to have peace. But he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for God to bring peace. Just earlier in this same chapter, we read about the birth of Jesus and then those shepherds in the field. And do you remember what the angels proclaimed about this one who was going to come? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace with God. It is first of all a spiritual reality. That their sins could be forgiven because this one was coming who was God himself who would live a perfect life, who would give his life as a ransom for many. Peace. Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And he received that consolation because his hope was in the right place. Where do you look? When you have to wait, where do you look for hope? Where do you look when you pray and you're waiting for God to answer that prayer? You need to look to Jesus because he's the one who comes as the fulfillment of all of those Old Testament promises. He's the one who Simeon holds in his arms and says, here's the fulfillment of those promises. He's waiting for the blessed hope that we as Christians have the consolation of Israel but the question is who's going to give that consolation in the one sense it's true it is the Lord Jesus and the coming of the Lord Jesus but one of the ways that Luke focuses our attention here in this text is by speaking to us and reminding us of the work of the Holy Spirit three times In this text, we read about the Holy Spirit. He's waiting, Simeon is, for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. You see, we need a person, don't we, to console us, to help us in the midst of our suffering. We give thanks, and it's nice when people send cards, when they maybe send an encouraging email, Maybe even when we can talk to someone on the phone and they maybe help us tell us about their experience. They maybe pray for us. But there's nothing like having someone beside you and with you. Think about Job in the Old Testament and his comforters. We kind of speak about them in an an evil way. Job's comforters, that's not a positive statement about somebody helping us but think about what they did they heard 
that everything Job had was taken away. They heard that his children had died. They heard that he was afflicted in his body with these horrible boils. And they came. They came to Job. And what did they do? They sat with him for seven days. They didn't speak. They didn't ask him what went wrong. They didn't judge him. They just sat with him. A presence with him. His friends that he knew. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit is here with Simeon, revealing to him that the promises of God are about to be revealed. He's about to see with his physical eyes what he has understood by faith in his heart. That God's promises are always true, and in his day, he's going to reveal it. You see, we have someone with us, bringing us consolation, who goes with us through life that is much better than Job's comforter, even better than a husband, better than a father or mother. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who is a comfort, The Holy Spirit was upon Simeon, verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You see, first of all, Simeon had the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was upon him so that he could live a righteous life, so that he could have strength to wait, to wait for the promises of God to come true. It doesn't explicitly say in the text, but I think we kind of all have a picture of Simeon as an old man near the end of his life. And I think that could very well be true, that he's been waiting for a long, long time, but he's been enabled by the Spirit to live a life. The Holy Spirit who does what? Who bears fruit in our lives. And what are those fruit? Love and joy and peace and patience. The Holy Spirit was giving Simeon patience to know that the Lord is always faithful and that sometimes we have to wait. But he had a particular special promise revealed to him by the Holy Spirit and that was that he would not die. And I think it's, it really is a promise to him that he would not die physically before he saw the fulfillment of all of God's promises. A man who walked with God like Enoch in the Old Testament and was taken up. He would not see death until he saw that Messiah. And he confessed that. Simeon was going to see all that the prophets had promised. Again, I think back to Haiti and one of the elderly saints that I met when I first came to the church at Douglas. His name was Marcel. Marcel was well known in the community. He owned some land around there. Whenever there were disputes in the community, he was known to be a wise man. People would come and they would kind of present their case before him. And then Marcel would say, well, I think this is the right thing to do. This is what you should do. And people would listen. 
They would go and do what he said. He was one who encouraged the people in the church, particularly as he had a desire not just for the church to grow, but the community to grow. And so he worked hard at encouraging people to finish that road that made its way up to the church. My wife Heather and I first went to Haiti to visit that church. The road just stopped 20 minutes short. He had to walk the rest of the way up. Marcel encouraged, he worked as he was able, in his later years he prayed, and finally that work was finished. But he had to be patient. They had to have a road, they have a building. But Simeon was waiting for something so much better. He was waiting for the Messiah, and the Holy Spirit gave him the comfort that he would see the fulfillment And he came, it says in verse 27, in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do to him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms. He came in the spirit into the temple. What was Simeon doing? He was worshiping, wasn't he? He was there where God had promised to be with his people. He was obeying the Lord. He was worshiping God. And it was in the midst of worship that God brought the fulfillment of what he longed for. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Why was it that Simeon could wait so long? Because he had the Holy Spirit working in him, with him. All the time. And that's what we have as well. You and I receive consolation and help in the midst of the difficulties of a fallen world because we too have the presence of Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit. When we go to the right place, Jesus promised this to his disciples. Just before he goes to the cross, there in the upper room in John 14. Jesus says, I'm going away, and they're sad. But he says, when I go away, I'm going to send another helper. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. And those words are connected, that idea of consolation and the counselor, the Holy Spirit. They're connected together. He gives consolation. And how does he do it for you and I? He does it by reminding us of the words of Jesus. That's what Jesus said there in the upper room to his disciples. That he was going to send his Holy Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit who would bring to our remembrance what Jesus had said. And we have it in front of us in his word. So what are you waiting for? Simeon waited in the power of the Holy Spirit for the consolation of Israel, the fulfillment of all the promises. What are you waiting for? We're waiting for peace, aren't we? We're waiting for salvation when we're burdened down under our sins. We're waiting for someone to save us from that. And we're waiting for someone to come back and make everything right. To say, this is not the way it's supposed to be. 
Haiti is a dangerous place. It's sometimes scary. Certainly, there's lots of things in life that are hard. And one of the consolations that I've taken laboring as a a missionary there is to, to go back and read about the ways, the different ways in which missionaries in particular have suffered over the years. Sometimes it's just that feeling of being an outsider. Sometimes it's real physical dangers. And I was reading over about the first Protestant efforts in Haiti in the early 1800s when the first Protestant missionaries came. It was two men that came from England at the request of the leaders of Haiti. And they began to work there. They began to preach. They began to plant churches. And one of the men talks about his journey out to the kind of outskirts, the outlying areas of Haiti. And he talks about two particular dangers that he encountered, the two most challenging things. And he says, the two things that I encountered, one was the rough roads and the difficulty of travel. And the second one was the danger from bandits on the road. And I think to myself, those are exactly the dangers that I've experienced myself. And There's consolation in that, isn't it? That other people have gone through these things. That God has safely brought them through it. And so Simeon looks for that consolation in the Lord, but knows that it's not just for him. And that's where Luke takes us at the end of this text. As Simeon holds that baby, the fulfillment of all of those promises, he says, this consolation, this comfort is not just for you. It's not just for Israel, but it really is for the whole world. And so he can depart in peace. He says in verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Shalom. He knows that the Prince of Peace has come. Again, back to Isaiah chapter 9. The child who was going to come, who would govern, he was going to be everlasting Father, mighty God, wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. He would bring peace, peace with God, peace with one another in the church. Peace as far as it is possible with those around him. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You see, Simeon saw the fulfillment with his physical eyes. But he had believed it before. Like Abraham, it would have been said of Simeon, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. By faith, he understood that God fulfills his promises. And even if it hadn't been revealed to him that God was going to do it before he died, he still would have held on to that hope. But God, by his grace, allows him to see the salvation that comes in Jesus. And we see it by faith, don't we? We read of all that Jesus came to do, that he fulfilled the Old Testament promises, that he takes our sin upon himself, that he dies and is raised to life, just as he said, and that he is coming again for us. And so let me ask that again. Is this consolation, this comfort in the Messiah, is it only for Israel? 
Well, Simeon says, no. Yes, they received it first, but it is for all. For this salvation that Simeon has seen with his own eyes, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. It's all through the Old Testament. The promises are there, even if the Pharisees and the Sadducees couldn't see it and wanted to hold at a distance the outsiders, the pagans, the Gentiles. It's there in the Old Testament. Think of Psalm 52, verse 10. The ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Or Psalm 98, that the Lord would show his righteousness and he would do it in the sight of the nations. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God, first to Israel, but then to all the nations. And so who is that consolation for? Yes, it's for Simeon. Yes, it's for the people of God, for Israel. But it is for you. That's what Simeon is saying. Jesus has been revealed as a light to show the way, the path for sinners to come into the presence of God through the mediation of Jesus Christ. And if you've received that consolation... It's a call, too, to take it to the world. That good news is not just for you, not just for your family, your church, and your community, but it really is for the world. And so I want to encourage you this morning to pray that you would lay hold of that consolation, but then you would pray that that gospel goes out. That you would pray in particular, not just for missionaries who go out from the OPC, but pray for Haiti, pray for the church there, that one day they would send out their own missionaries, that they would go to every corner of their land, that they would even send people out into the world, and that the promise of God would be fulfilled. You see, this is the gospel. Simeon, he heard the good news. Have you heard it this morning, the promises of God in Jesus? He had the Holy Spirit, and he had the peace the Holy Spirit gave. Have you received that peace with God that comes through believing on the Lord Jesus? And with eyes of faith, have you seen the Lord Jesus? Do you believe that he really is the fulfillment of all those Old Testament promises? That's the only consolation we really have. Because if we believe in him, he has promised that he's gone to prepare a place for us. He's promised that he is coming back. And that he will one day, as that text in Isaiah 25 says that we read earlier, he will wipe every tear from our eyes. But he's with us now. Pray that he would bring consolation that we might be a blessing of that comfort and consolation to others. Let's pray together. 
Our gracious Father, we are so thankful for your love and care of us. We're so thankful that in the midst of our suffering, whether we can see it or whether it's on the inside, that you know. And so we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would bring that consolation you've promised to each one that is here and that we might be instruments of that blessing to a dying world around us. We thank you for the example of faithful saints, but we thank you most of all for the Lord Jesus who did everything according to his Father's will, even giving his life for us. We thank you for that blessing and pray that you would indeed, Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.